0: Back to stories from a mountain town. This is your host Tyler Meany, coming to you um, today. Actually, coming to you from Driggs, Idaho. Um, we are over here at the hum- at the home of uh, a new friend of mine named Brent Baldwin. Welcome to the show, Brent.
1: Thanks, Tyler. Glad to be here. Wonderful.
0: And um, so Brent is the uh, the head golf pro at the uh, a golf course here in Driggs, the one that I've you've if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen <laughs> lots of. Pictures and videos from there, it's a, it's a golf course that uh, it allows dogs and it has an amazing view of the Tetons. Um, so I spend a lot of time out there. So we're, we're, we're happy to have you here.
1: No, it's going to be super fun and we're glad to kind of tell you a lot about the links. It's a, it's a really cool spot here in Teton Valley. I mean, it's it's like nothing you've ever played and nothing you've ever seen. If you haven't seen it, now is the time.
0: Exactly. That is that. That's actually exactly my thoughts when I first played it. I first came out, and I've told you this before, but it's for listeners. Um, on Easter this year, my dad was out here, and we were just like looking to either golf or Targi was open randomly one day that weekend. So we're like, let's just let's just find a golf course and um, see if we can play. And the Lynx was the only one open. It was like your first day opening. Yeah, literally, exactly.
1: We don't been only been open a couple of days.
0: Yeah, literally the. Um, Jeff, your um, superintendent. superintendent was putting the flags out in front of us as we would go around playing. So super early. But it was super, it was just this super raw course. And it was like, it was, it's called the Lynx of Teton Peaks. It's a lynx course, and it was like um, windy and kind of misting raining. And the course, I mean, I'd just been through a a very gnarly winter. So it wasn't in the best shape at that time. But and there was like elk poop everywhere, and I was like, <laughs> And it allowed dogs. And I was like, "This, I think this is how old Tom Morris would have wanted golf to be.
1: He, a, he would have. Because, I mean, the, just the dog aspect, um, the different breeds. The, yeah. You can always see they're happy, having fun. Mm-hmm. It, and it's the first and only place I've ever been that allows dogs. So Yeah, the,
0: the only course that, like, outright allows all of them. <laughs> I've seen a couple at other places, like small dogs, but certainly never my dogs. And then... <laughs> yeah, um, Tyler
1: and Bridger would not... Or,
0: Bridger and Mav. Sorry. Yeah, they usually wouldn't be allowed. Um, and I and I heard this 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 podcaster, this golf podcaster. He says that um, if you make your dog a uh, a service animal or like an emotional care animal, that a um, a municipal golf course can't deny him from being uh, the dog from being there because it's like a public, super public, owned by the city sort of course.
1: Yeah, and I've seen that before as well, to where they had you know. A service dog of some kind, then we had to allow them. But otherwise, strict anti-dog policy.
0: Yeah, and that's weird because all you know, most golf courses are this big green space um, that it, it's an incredible opportunity for a dog just to be a dog. And it's, the links especially, because it's it's just kind of out in the middle of the valley. It's not.
1: And and I think that's probably why a lot of go <clears throat> a lot of places don't do it. I mean, you're in rural areas around a lot of homes, a lot of kids, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're out at the links, you know, we're sitting on 360 acres, um, open wilderness, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. There's not really any, there's only one house on the course and it's your superintendent. (laughs) He has a dog. Um, but yeah, awesome. So as always, we have, um, I asked Brent what his drink of choice would be. And he said, uh, "Paco's IPA. It's a beer here from Snake River Brewing. um, It's—I'll show it to the camera here. It's got a picture of a husky on it. Um, It's the the guys who started Snake River Brewing Company. I think it's one of their dogs a while ago. One of their more popular beers. But um, yeah, cheers again to that. Cheers again.
1: Yeah.
0: And we'll try. I got some a recommendation from my cousin to not." knock the glasses on the table so hard because <laughs> she was listening to it in headphones and said so she had to like get them out of her ear when I, when we were doing that. Cause we've been a big clink. Yeah. And- you know, we have a couple, a couple drinks on pretty much every episode. So, um, so not only is the links, my favorite place to play golf, it is also one of the clients that Merlton Meany marketing supports for all their marketing efforts. Um, after playing the playing the links a couple times, I think the like two or three times, I kind of looked at your your Facebook and your social media and was like, they don't really do anything. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's this amazing opportunity because it's probably the best view of the Grand on this side of the valley or this valley.
1: And we're the only golf course that has that view. Yeah, I mean, you, some of the others you see a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but I mean, we we have the full on Teton view and. It, it really is spectacular all, all year long.
0: Yeah. So there's the view, there's the dogs. And then as a golfer, the, the course really, I really enjoyed like within the lines of the course, it was enjoyable. So I was like, this place is special. I think I can do a good job of showing why it's special to uh, not only locals, but tourists and just anybody in, uh, on this, in this valley or in Jackson. And, and so that's why that's I was like, I need to at least say, hey, can I do something for you guys? Because it like almost hurt that no one knew about this. And I would talk to other locals and they'd be like, I had no clue that was there. I'd heard there was a course that allowed dogs somewhere, but they didn't, they didn't know anything about it.
1: And, and we, you know, we didn't have a big marketing budget. And when Tyler came in and we just, we started talking and he, he understood my vision. And I'm like, I need to blow this place up. I need to let everybody know about it. And um, so that's kind of where we are today. After after a great summer and a, a remarkable year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it. I'm glad it worked out. It was super. I mean, it's super easy to market a place that's as beautiful as the Lynx is, and with all the great things that they offer. And it's not like a, it's, it's not that expensive either. So it's like, as long as you're you want to golf, and see the see the mountains, and are okay with dogs, and can pay. $30 for yeah. a round like it's the place you can come play golf and it's super chill Brent is always there in a super good mood everyone all the workers are in really good moods because they get to sit that, sit and look at the grand all day every day
1: we're working at a golf course it's our office I mean yeah not many people get to call that
0: yeah exactly people pay I mean people pay millions of dollars to sit and be able to get that sort of view on either here or in Jackson too and you guys get to do it and work and be on a golf course and do something you love so it's a really, really special place, and I, I just felt that right away, and I knew I had to do something to help it. Whether it was just like a small project, or it was like let me just fly the drone around, or something like this, where we're, we're, we're signed on to a longer contract so that we can we did it all this this season, and then we'll do it all next season.
1: Yeah, we got some good good improvements coming for next season. I think I'm, I'm excited for those.
0: Yeah, yeah. The whole so we've kind of since. What, like the middle of, like the middle of October, it's kind of died down pretty strongly. Dramatically, yeah. Yeah, no, there's not really tourists. Locals are playing, like, um, plenty. Like, it was pretty packed on Saturday. On Saturday, were
1: we were out of carts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Saturday, November 7th or <laughs> 8th. 7th or 8th, yeah. Yeah, in, in Driggs, Idaho. The golfers were filling a course.
1: And, and playing in t-shirts, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was warm. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, where was I going with that? Oh, it died down. So um, we haven't really done a lot of activity in filming or, you know, producing content for them. So I've been just kind of pondering, like, how do we take what we did this summer and, you know, make it bigger and better for next summer while keeping the integrity and like the authenticity that we want in, in, a, in a community course like this. Um,
1: and just kind of a local, yeah, local raw kind of. I don't know how to explain it, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll just keep it because obviously there's there could there's a ton of money in tourism here. That's why this valley the people the stuff here exists and that's why stuff in Jackson exists. Um, but the locals, when you get the locals on board, you can make you can probably have a lot more long lasting success
1: Absolutely. as any sort of business Absolutely, in yeah. a tourism town. <laughs> and our local base is getting bigger and stronger and so uh, We're we're really excited to see what's gonna happen next year. We're gonna have to get some more carts. Yeah, definitely get some more (laughs) carts.
0: He would Brent would text me on like a Tuesday afternoon and say we ran out of carts again. And I mean, people are here, you know, weeks a week at a time usually, but a Tuesday is not a big day for golf because there's not really any locals.
1: Well, and two years ago on a Tuesday, I might have sent out Seven carts the whole day. Yeah. Now we're now we're you know sending thirty carts out every day all day long. And yeah. It's it, it's awesome. It's really fun. Yeah. People are getting it, getting to see it. They get to see how unique it is in the setting, and they just they always have a smile on their face, and that's really kind of one of the things that I like doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. People are always just in a good mood there. That's one. Th- that's the thing I love about it. I'm never worried about. Someone being too stuffy about the dogs, my dogs, walking up to them or like hitting into people. Like I'm, I'm probably one of the more serious golfers on the course at any given time and I'm not that serious.
1: Right. Yeah, That everyone's out there to have a good time. You know, just enjoy the golf course, enjoy playing golf in a very calm, friendly re- and relaxed atmosphere. Yeah,
0: definitely. So in that content, kind of in that content conversation, I just wanted to, and you know the picture, but I'm going to bring it up. So yesterday, um, Taylor. So this picture. For those oh, yeah. who are just listening, this is the picture, their profile picture. I took it this summer. Um, it's got the grand behind the clubhouse, and it's all green and it looks really pr- beautiful. We just ordered a print, a canvas print of this picture um, to give to the links as oh, a gift, as like a customer appreciation. Just like thanks for leaving at us and letting us, you know, get creative and 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 to you for. Um, like being enthusiastic on all my random ideas that I come up with to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> I,
1: I, I like the creativity. I mean, that's kind of the the way we kind of click because we we both have creative minds and we just kind of go with it. I mean, yeah, and that's what that's what's made it really fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that so that that'll be here. I don't know how many days it would take for Costco to ship it here, but um, whenever that comes, I'll either bring it over to here or um, to the links or something. Yep.
1: I'll keep it at my house till next spring. Yeah. Okay. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> um, but you're totally right in what you said about um, us getting creative together where one of the one of the series we did on the social media all summer was called Swing Tip Tuesday. So we just have a little video of Brent talking through a common swing issue that amateurs have or just like a little tip that can help golfers uh, play better. And it was a good combination of like... What I thought might make a good video and my knowledge of golf with his extreme knowledge of golf and the actual training part of it um, made some really helpful tips to and, the followers.
1: And that, that was fun for me. I, I had a really good time doing that. And, you know, just like we talked about, I had to just jump into teaching mode and, and do it mm-hmm. on camera. And it, it really turned out kind of fun.
0: Yeah, the first, the I think the first video. Um, You were a little nervous, definitely. Just to just the camera. Some people, when they just get on camera, they get they don't they don't act like they are like they normally are. But once you got into like, oh, I'm just doing the the lessons that you always do in person. It's the same thing. And then after that, we would make them so easily. It was just all one takes. Maybe a second if you fumble the word or something, which happens
1: a couple times, but for the most part, they're just one and done. We we had a limited time frame to get it in.
0: Yeah, and it was all these short, great videos that provided value, and we'll probably, we'll, I mean, we'll certainly keep doing it next year. And we got good response from the followers and good suggestions for what to keep it to. Um,
1: the the post you made last week about us being open, we had something like three, 30 comments. And
0: yeah, yeah. The, sometimes timing is like the best. Like that picture. I'm, I mean, I didn't. We had a seasonal budget, and we're past that. And I was just like, well, there's an opportunity to just post, letting know that. Letting people know that the links is the only golf course still open, so um, like if golfers still want to play, they can. They're only going to come here, so it's a big um, like end of season little revenue stream that'll come in because there's the only ones open.
1: And the comments were just kind of funny as well. Like, mm-hmm. You can't take pictures of my balls without my permission. And yeah, I, it, it, it's just kind of funny to see because by now all the golfers have put their clubs away except the the strong followers and just to see the kind of camaraderie and giving them a little bit of needle at the end of the season was, I thought it was funny. Personally,
0: Yeah. It was, it was really fun to see, you know, we've done this sort of managed social media thing a, a few times now and it's fun to see when the following starts to get responsive and do, do the stuff you ask in the posts. That's when we're like, okay, we're doing something good here. We're providing value in the post because it starts off and you, you know, when we change over to doing our content style, they don't really know. They like it because it's good content, but then they don't – you have to wait a little bit for them to be like, okay, this is this is now a pattern going forward. We can expect this. We can expect better things. We can uh, we can um, ask them questions. We can answer their questions. We can do the calls to action.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it's I mean, really they, cool to
0: see that reaction from followers.
1: Yeah, and to fill those little check slips from Angie and Jim. Um, yeah. They wanted to see that, and they, they – they responded really well to that
0: yeah did they did they talk to you about like the tips that you that we did for them? um
1: Angie came and got a series of lessons from me
0: oh that's <laughs> off of that that is that's awesome because that's uh, in in any sort of marketing it's always like justifying is revenue growing because of this effort that's an ex- that's a perfect example of we did a tip um, we did a, a post that said what would you like to see on the future swing tip Tuesday videos one of the people that plays um, at the links a lot, Angie
1: Bell- Belliston.
0: Belliston, uh-huh. yeah. And she commented and said, Can you teach me how to hit my drives longer? Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. She wanted more distance on her drive.
0: Yeah. So for the next one, we did, we taught, we showed her how to, or Brent showed her.
1: Hit it on the upswing.
0: Yeah. Tee it up, tee the ball up a little higher and hit it on the upswing. And that not only helps with distance, but it helps you not be so steep. And so you, it can kind of help, it helps me with not slice so much if I tee it up higher.
1: That's, yeah. That's a, it does both things for you and it yeah. slows down the, the spin rate, which oh. decreases uh, hooks or slices. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And so that so we provided the value probably to others showing how to get your driver farther. And then she directly wanted to get a lesson from Brent in person. Um, yeah
1: in like two days because she was leaving for a golf tournament yeah I gotta go I gotta go so help me out it was funny yeah Uh, and she played well when she left
0: that's awesome I didn't know that she had gotten a lesson from you yeah
1: yeah, it was a a super fun lesson she's she's athletic
0: yeah she's a good golfer Mm -hmm. I think I think next summer too we can I want to um, do more talking about uh, your lessons you know we we always we'll do the swing tips but then like something in the in the captions or something, say like, you know, give, give them a call for a lesson if you want them to explain, expand on this or something like that. Well,
1: and, and the lessons are, are super unique because we don't have a driving range. Yeah. So I I take the golfer out to a hole. It's a it's a real golf experience working on either a swing concept or, or a principle. And so it, they're not just hitting balls on the range. We're at, out there on the golf course, moving positions, Making it like playing golf, so it, it it's really a, a unique experience for the golfer. I need some more range time. I went to
0: the I went to the driving range I think twice. It was just before the rounds I played at um, other courses, <laughs> but I never like sat and like practiced at all. And so I I all, all the practice I've done all this whole this whole summer was just like swinging in my front yard. Like I, um, I everyone. Everyone who's seen me at golf knows I have a super steep swing, and so I I tend to slice or fade the ball. So I set up that little drill with the, um, with the, the, the aiming sticks. Uh-huh. So you have, I have one like across my feet, and one that's stuck in the ground, right? And that goes diagonal in it. swing plane. Yeah, so just try to keep it under that, and I just do that in my yard, like like ten swings in between like meetings or something while I'm working.
1: Well, we've just got to get you from taking it. Mm-hmm. Up. Here yeah, to taking it around here. Yeah, I mean you're so dang tall. Uh-huh. Use it, but don't abuse it. Yeah, I think <laughs> is is that sort of swim path
0: like a common one for uh, tall people?
1: Um, yeah, that, tall tall people. I mean, look at them: Henrik Henrik Stenson. Uh-huh. You know, some of the taller guys all like to hit fades. Yeah, because that just fits that body type, that body shape. Um, yeah. Shorter guys: Ian Woosnam. Um, Freddy Couples, they want to hit draws because we, we take it a little more inside. Uh-huh. Just because of our, our body makeup. Yeah. But if, if you would do the same thing that we do, you would definitely hit a, a lot straighter.
0: Yeah, I've been trying. I've been hitting, uh, I haven't been hitting much bad slices in this end of the season. So I think that's, I kind of got that uh, muscle memory of like where the path needs to be and what the, what the twisting versus just like, Well, it it it
1: also helps when you play golf as much as you
0: are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, I played, I think almost as much as I did last year. And I told you about the, um, the public country club. Yeah. I think that was Uh important. Yeah. So I played a lot with that, but this year, or actually in years past, it's always like, well, I can either take the dogs for a hike or golf. And then I miss out on taking them for a hike. And I like doing that. But this summer it's always been I can do both exactly. at the same time exactly. and maybe I can also like, you know, gather some content for the links or something because I'll be out here. And so it's like this like three-in-one package where I get to four-in-one because I get to bring the dogs out. I get to play golf, which I love. I get to see the Tetons, to look at the grand, get great views. And then potentially I get to, you know, gather content, you know, and – and. Uh, make money from that so it's like this four-in-one package it's like of course I want to go it's a the pretty links. good deal for you right yeah yeah I kind of um we're kind of working our way into uh get, it, get getting some really good connections this whole driggs and victor and jackson it's really like um loves its locals it's a lot of word-of-mouth stuff so once you get in with some good things it's more it's like almost like a uh it's a little bit of a bartering economy where it's just like you can just like give favors or give things back and forth versus exactly. I'll Venmo you. Like we have listeners you've heard from, from Jeff and all my Steel friends and I can they give me like discounts on clothing there. I'll come onto the links and play with and we'll play with Brent and he and he won't charge me for that. And um and you know, it it's, it's just like a little bartering economy a little bit in this area.
1: It is. I mean it's all about trading for services. Yeah. Where you could
0: be like, yeah, you could have like a handyman fix your something here and you give him a lesson. Exactly. I'm and that's like, that's like not weird for this area. <laughs> Where other, maybe in Minneapolis, that would be super weird.
1: Yeah, it's probably unheard of back yeah. there. Unheard of back there. but mm-hmm. no, I, I, this, this valley is just so cool and the, the people here are so un, unique but genuine. I mean, they, most of them would give you the shirt off their back if you asked for it yeah. or, or needed it and that's... That's so refreshing, and that's what kind of brought me here. Was just the the ability to take something and really grow it. I mean, I saw the potential at the links to like make something really cool and show everybody about it, and that's really kind of it just snowballed from there. And we're getting ready for some stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a good tra- transition. Though um, I wanted to ask you, I've kind of you've told me a little bit, but what brought you to Driggs, Idaho. You you grew up in Salt Lake City, right? Right,
1: I I did. And um, through Career Links on the PGA, we get notifications of places to, you know, they're open looking for a head pro. And I I saw this notification. I came up and had an interview on Sunday. Um, Went back on that day, and uh, my my. Director of Golf called me and said, "Let's uh, let's make a deal. We need you up here." And that's just kind of where it all started.
0: And anyway, so it's all all just to work at the links.
1: Um, just more, more than anything, to, to really take something that hadn't been properly managed and 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 make it make it successful. I mean, yeah. it, it it was super easy, really, but. Um, it, that alone, just having, you know, taking a baby and making it grow and, yeah. and getting a, a, exposure to it. I mean, that's, that's really what I like to do. And I've done that a lot in my past. So awesome. it, it was a, it was a great experience. And, and to get back to a small town, I mean, Salt Lake has gotten pretty, pretty big and a lot of people. And I grew up in a small town and I wanted to give my daughter that same opportunity. She's here with me and, and she loves it here as well. I mean, she's having a great time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Was there? Um, were you ever looking at other, um, like small towns or other mountain towns to want to go to?
1: Um, I mean, I've, I've lived around the mountains all my life, so yes. it was just sort of a natural transition, just um, in a new place.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. What
1: um, what courses
0: around Salt Lake did you work for?
1: Um, so I I spent uh, my first was Alpine Country Club, uh, a private club in Highland. Um, great facility, awesome golf course. From there, I went to South Mountain. Golf club um, that was a a, a privately owned high end resort um, that had never been tried in this in the state of Utah. So that was really fun to be a part of that. Um, I then opened Talons Cove Golf Club on the other side of the lake. Um, spent a long time uh, was at River Bend and here now. Awesome.
0: Is there a lot of um, like tourist? Uh, uh, or vacation golf courses around Salt Lake City and around.
1: Um, there, there's so many. I think there's what 16, 17 in the valley. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's some. I mean, there's some awesome golf there. Too. Yeah. Um, but it, there's so many opportunities for the golfer, and it's so competitive that everything is super inexpensive for yeah. golf there. And I mean. There, you can play links. You can play old traditional country clubs. You know, there, there is a ton of golf in, in in that area, and really good golf. Really. That's kind of like that's kind of like what Minneapolis
0: or the Twin Cities is like, where there's a ton of city courses. There's probably uh, almost ten like solid city courses. I mean, they're old. They're not long. They're not super fancy, but they're average the price they're really fun they're they they, some of them have some nice quirks because they're built in like the 20s Mm -hmm. and then there's even ones like um keller golf course is in saint paul it hosted like u.s opens in the 60s and 50s but now it's just like a random city course
1: (laughs) kind Uh, of a muni
0: yeah kind of a muni but it's like a muni with this crazy history i mean they've redone it now to like try to get it back to its glory but there's a lot of And then you can even get it in the outskirts outskirts of the city and get to some more link style. And then there's, you know, there's a TPC, so that's has its own flavor. That's a I think Arnie built that one. So there's like
1: Which one was that?
0: TPC Twin Cities. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. He did.
0: Yeah. So it's got, and I've played two. Three Arnold Palmer courses, they all the same flavor. He likes a lot of water. He <laughs> likes going around water. Exactly, that's not good for me.
1: <laughs> and he likes to go, put it on the right-hand side, which is definitely not. Yeah, good. yeah, worse for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, there's a lot. I mean, uh, Teton Pines is an Arnold Palmer here, yep. here in town, and that's very typical of him. Just like a Park City Golf Club in in Park City, Utah. That's an Arnold. One? They, yeah, that's, that's another Arnold. And they they have the same feel and the same look to me. So it was. Kind of like going home.
0: Yeah, I, the Tetown Pines has the same exact feel as the TPC Twin Cities. It's always that just like, and the same as like you see in um, uh, Bay Hill. Okay. It's always just like let's make three holes that <laughs> wrap around a pond, and you have to cover water in every single shot. Why not? And that not? yeah, and it's just hellish for someone who's like uncomfortable with their game or just not very good in general.
1: Oh, it, it's hellish for any. Any level of player, given the level of competition.
0: Yeah. Except for even the, uh, when they had so they had a, a PGA event at, in the Twin Cities this year, and I think the winning score was like minus 25. So it's, it's not a very long TPC, which is what, what its whole thing, holding it back, has always been. So they lengthened, lengthened it, but I mean.
1: Yeah, the, the guys will eat up a short golf course anymore. I mean, yeah, yeah that tw- 20 plus for a four-day event is easy for them.
0: Yeah, and then and Matthew Wolf won it, so he was a rookie. It was like his fifth event, but that that was cool. He's a good he's a good guy.
1: And I I, I saw an article about him change his swing, changing golf. I haven't even had time to read it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, have you read into his instructor at all? Have no, you I him? haven't. No. So his, his instructor's name is um, George, I think George Ginkis, and he has this totally different. Approach to um, golf instruction, where um, in the like in the past guys are always like, you know, get it on plane, and there's this kind of robotic feel of the swing, and it's like everyone needs to look like Adam Scott's swing because this is perfect, basically. But Matthew Wolf's is like this jerky, like really up over the top. It almost looks like mine in the beginning, but then he gets it down on plane, and it, and it obviously he's on the tour, so it's much better. But it's super weird, and it's like really whippy and violent, and it works.
1: <laughs> Uh, um, Tom Wargo, um, Jim Furyk. They,
0: yeah, it's kind of uh, like Jim Furyk, but uh, more aggressive and more whippy.
1: Uh, obviously, need, need to watch him play. I didn't get to see it, so
0: yeah, you
1: know, kind of comes out of his shoes a little bit.
0: Yeah, and he like <laughs> does this thing when he's over the ball. He has a tick where he like twists. He like twists forward and then goes. Really? Yeah, it's really weird to watch because you think like the first time you're like, oh, "That's weird." He kind of like. Blocked or something, but he he does it every single time. He does this like little twitch to like set himself up. Um, I mean, like you know, how, Henrik Stenson does it too.
1: Yeah, he has a, that little forward press right before he goes. Yeah,
0: that one stresses me out because <laughs> like it looks like he's gonna do it, but he doesn't, and it's just like a little like slight shift in his weight, and then he's like perfect.
1: Well, that's that's how he gets it going up on the on the line he wants to. Yeah. Um. What was I going to say?
0: Did you – what year – so what year did you come to? You first lived in Victor but always worked here. Yeah, so I came
1: here in April of 17. 17. Very cool.
0: Um, So um, you said you've lived in the mountains for pretty much your entire life. What, What draws you to the mountains
1: and what keeps you in the mountains? Um, first of all, the draw is just um, the, the scenery and just feeling something that's bigger than me. Oh, yeah. I, I that, like that. That, that, that to me, um, I want to explore that. I want to see it. I want to kind of be in it. Uh-huh. Um, that, that's the biggest draw for me. Um, besides that, I mean, I, I love to play in the mountains. I hunt, fish, ski. Ride snowmobiles. I mean, you name it. I, I like to do it, and the mountains are are that that's my that's my happy place, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- having something that big around me to go explore or just feel like it's kind of wrapping me up in a blanket. Um, that that's always been an attraction to me, and you know, I I, I love playing in the mountains, do, and just kind of being. In their presence, I
0: like that a lot. I, I agree with totally with the, the happy place thing. Where um, I've always I've felt whether it's a, like a good day that happens, a bad day that happens, uh, whatever day, I just want to spend it like kind of um, collecting myself in the mountains. Whether that's just like a simple hike or a walk around our neighborhood because we're like up pretty high, or doing something more intense like billing or snowboarding or mountain biking It's like a it's like a a cal- almost like a calming feeling knowing that you're not you're not this uh, there's something much bigger than you going on because it took millions of years to form this thing you're standing on and you're standing 10,000 feet above sea level right and 4,000 feet above the, above the, the ground the valley floor. I like it
1: a lot. No, it, it, it it's super cool, and you know to, to be just be out there and to hear the quiet. That's, yeah. that's one of the things that I really like the best. When you can hear the aspen leaves twitching and can hear the wind rolling through the canyon, or you know that distant elk bugle, any anything like that. Those are those are the moments that draw me here and keep me here.
0: Yeah, we well, just I just saw some elk. Um, on uh, my drive over here, over in Jackson, for the first time uh, since the spring. Oh, yeah? I think they're finally
1: coming back into the valley. I, I hope so. Yeah. Do they do they migrate through here at all? They, there used to be paths, according to what I've been told. Huh. Um, it, it's gone down significantly, obviously, and most of them are over on Jackson's side at the Elk Refuge, where they're getting yeah. free food. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, these ones were over, um, you know where the Walton Ranch is? No, I don't.
0: It's 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 right near near the intersection that would take you to the village. Okay. Um, kind of in that area. But there, there are probably like 50 of them just chilling there. Nice. And none in the refuge except for um, two weekends ago, I saw one big bull in the refuge on his own and haven't seen any in there since.
1: Well, they're, I think they're in the height of their rut period and they're just kind of being solitary. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's a, a big. I've seen a big herd out by felt uh-huh. uh, to a place that I, you know, close that I used to live by, and there's quite a few out there, and you know, just hasn't had enough snow to drive the animals down, really. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was November thirteenth, and what was it, forty-eight degrees today?
0: Yeah, it was warm. <laughs> I was wondering, um, maybe you know, how, so it like snowed here. Like in October, early October, it was snowy kind of every day, but it warmed up, and none, none of it st- stuck um, at the lower elevations. If they started coming down from that, and then they kind of like stopped because it got warmer, and so there's somewhere in between Yellowstone and here, maybe
1: more than likely. I mean, yeah, they, they've survived this long. I'm sure they're smart enough to do it again.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, there's always that um, the 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 draw of the mountains. It's like this. Um, Oh, the quiet. That's what I want to talk about. It's amazing when the when you can be on a hike or something, or just re- actually, our neighborhood is super, super quiet. And there's even like construction going on, with only thing you can hear is like your own heartbeat or yourself walking. It it's like it's like definitely, or it's like it's so quiet. It's like loud.
1: <laughs> exactly, like white noise.
0: Yeah, like you're maybe maybe our brains are so wired to. To be used to hearing the hustle and bustle of noise all the time, that it feels we our brains are, are like, what do we do? What do we do this with this lack of noise?
1: Uh, and that's kind of where I like to get into that, and you know, kind of absorb that because that, yeah. that's cool noise. For me. Yeah, it
0: yeah it like it lets me um, I've noticed it it allows my brain to come up with really really creative ideas where my my kind of meditation time, if you will, is like on a hike or on a mountain bike when all that blood is I'm on my ride, and when all that blood is pumping through my brain. But I'm out on a mountain somewhere where all I can hear is me walking or pedaling, and the dogs, and the trees, and the wind. And I can do that pretty, pretty passively while also thinking about stuff and meditating on stuff. And I'll just kind of be like, "All right, well, how do I, you know." like maybe it's an example for things like how do we what do we how do we want to do this 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 content piece and i'll just start it in my brain when i start the hike or start the bike the bike ride and i get going and i'm just going up and i'm like well what about this what about that and then it finally comes to something it's like this meditative period that i'm also doing like an activity
1: and that's similar to when i get on my dirt bike and i yeah you know cruising down at 60 65 and i'm starting to think and plan about what i want to do but it you know, I've got life passing me by, yeah. really fast, and, and a lot of wind going through my helmet. It's that's, again, that's part of that mountain life, mountain air, that allows you to clear your head.
0: It is cleaner here. It, <laughs> it, you just is. like smell it. You can like smell the sage. You can smell like if you have the links, you can smell. Uh, now this is a good smell yeah, there, the the cow, fish the cow pasture that's nearby <laughs> the fish um, but you can't smell like the exhaust if for some reason it's like lighter it doesn't it comes into your lungs easier even though there's not as much oxygen up here, but you can just take these big deep breaths and and it feels really good
1: no it really does and that's uh that's why we live in the mountains just just for that ability to walk out on your back deck, take a big old breath and and Smell the sage, or smell the pine trees, yeah, um, or just listen to it snow. I mean, next time it's snowing, it's nuking. Listen to it snow. Yeah,
0: that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I when I went to college in Duluth, Minnesota, uh-huh. it's up on the um, the very farthest west um, little tip of Lake Superior, so they get a lot of snow for Minnesota. I mean, over a hundred inches a year they average, where the rest of Minnesota averages like fifty. So a lot of snow. And every day they'd be dumping snow, everyone would be like, oh, i got to drive in this. Like, oh, we got to practice football in this. Like, oh, it's snowing. It's going to be like messy. It's It's cold. cold. And I'm like so pumped up. It's my favorite (laughs) time. I'm just like out there just standing in it, just like – just relishing in it.
1: It's not uncommon for me to go out at midnight when it's snowing and and take a walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just down down the road or whatever, um, just kind of get out there and – Get a few snowflakes on your tongue, whatever. But I, I love being out there just when it's absolutely nuking, dumping. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually warmer to me at that point. Have you noticed that? When it's snowing really hard, it's actually warmer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about warmer, but I feel better.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe it's your, it. your own body. You're pumped up. So you're pumping blood and you're excited.
1: That That's probably it. It's.
0: Well, there also is. It also is slightly warmer when it's. Uh, low pressure.
1: Yeah, I'm no meteorologist. I I just know what it feels like. Yeah, Get out there and play in
0: it. Yeah. We need a meteorologist to tell us what's going on right now. It is November 13th and my yard is brown. Your yard is brown. And it's dry. Up to, yeah, blue skies. It's beautiful (laughs) if you don't like snow. But everyone here in Driggs or in Jackson, we came here because we want snow. We want it to snow. And I was talking with Taylor, about this today where we both know it's inevitable. It's going to come because these areas get 500 inches of snow a year um, and it's going to happen. But for me right now, it's that internal like mini panic where it's (laughs)
1: like,
0: what if this is the worst winter Jackson's ever seen?
1: Yeah. And I just bought a ski pass. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Start snowing.
0: This is my first winter, full winter in Jackson. (laughs) And I'm like, it's just like that mini panic where it's, and I can I can see the resort from my house, and all I have um, is one strip from Opravu down to T, down to Tijuana, down to the base okay. of like fake snow, uh-huh. and then like some flurries um, <laughs> kind of from Cas- Casper Lodge yeah. and above. It's kind of white, but I'm sitting there like, okay, opening day is the 28th
1: Where's or something. Targi's the 22nd. They're projected.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Jackson's is um, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Right. So whatever that date ends up being. Mm-hmm.
1: Targi's trying to get it in Saturday before Thanksgiving, but that's two weeks away, and we have no snow.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and for JHMR, it's three weeks away, and they have one run. And I know it's the beginning of the season, you can't really expect a ton of snow, but there's been years I've seen where people are like fully in the backcountry. There was one year where the entire mountain at JHMR was open, the tram was open on opening day, and that was an enormous um, October, November, but still, there's... There's been years where people are out fully doing winter stuff at this time of the year. Yeah. And I want to be doing that.
1: <laughs> It'll be here soon enough, I think.
0: Yeah. I'm just... I. What worries me, too, it's been warm. It's not even like it's been cold, but we're just waiting for a storm come, to yeah. come. No, it's... It's like been warm. So even if a storm was here, it would be rain. And it's just like, God, this is not good.
1: Well, the snow level of 10,000 feet should be... At least kick in when it's when it, even at this temperature if we got some moisture that should snow up there, no?
0: Um yeah, yeah, I put the up at the like the top of the pass right is um is fully white and people are skiing and snowboarding up there but it's um like really rocky and I wouldn't I just bought a split board, did I tell you that? No. You know that it, you know what that is? I do, I do. Yeah. So for the listeners, it's a snowboard but it's cut down like lengthwise down the middle. And then the bindings are made to um, t- be taken off and turned sideways. So you can kind of like – the same motion of like cross-country skiing where you lift your heel up to move. You can do that and go – yeah, and go up go up in the backcountry and kind of venture on like that. So then you don't – and so you're on like kind of two skis so you don't fall through the snow because it's always really deep out there. So I just got one of those. But I'm not going to use that
1: for – a long time probably like yeah, january I, I just got new boards too and i'm not going to touch them until after the first of the year yeah I, exactly. I got some rock skis going beat up
0: yeah my, my regular snowboard i've had since like high school so it's got plenty of use in it so i can take that on any, any given day Well,
1: when we get a chance to go skiing um i'll take your split board and you can take my skis how's that yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i actually do ski too i got bored so in 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 Minnesota, our our hills are it's tiny, yeah, so maybe. like half, maybe half the size of like the not chair uh-huh. at the at the resort. Right. Is the is the big vertical, maybe maybe the full chair on some of the resorts, but um, and it's
1: kind of like the bunny hill. Too, yeah, right?
0: it's not <laughs> difficult. I mean, I can ha- I can play around, and have some fun some places, but it was with snowboard like you're strapping in and unstrapping every thirty seconds. So I was like, I'm getting sick of this, even though I love snowboarding. Um, I was like, I'm just going to get some skis because it's a fun thing to learn. And I've skied before and I was decent at it. I was like, I'm just going to buy some and I can, it'll keep me busy at these small resorts because I have exactly. to learn something. Exactly. I don't have to buckle in and unbuckle all the time. So yeah. I got some I got some skis and I did them out here a bunch of times. And I'm kind of, my brother's a really good skier and YouTube, and I'm athletic enough where I, I picked it up just fine.
1: Yeah, you'll do fine. You'll probably get rid of your snowboard. No, I'm not.
0: <laughs> no, I'm. So many miles better of a snowboarder than I'm a skier that I it'll take me a long time to get there. Well, like,
1: and I just don't want to start that learning curve over again. I, yeah. I can go anywhere I want. And,
0: uh, yeah, because <laughs> b- because you can out here at yeah. Target you can go anywhere, anywhere. But I was like, I want to just restart that learning curve because uh, I've I've gone down the, all these hills regular. I've gone down switch. I've gone down trying to do tricks. I don't. There's nothing else for me to do
1: at these Minnesota
0: <laughs> <ski> hills. <laughs> So let me just try a different sport.
1: Yeah, get you some twin tip skis and take them back to Minnesota. And you can go down like a skate park.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big terrain park guy. Yeah, me either. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I used to, when I was younger, I would do it, like, in Minnesota, it's all these tow ropes or rope tow things. Okay. You've seen
1: those? Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Where it's just like... Um, it almost more has like a skate park vibe to it, where everyone's just kind of trying tricks and having fun and stuff. And I did that a lot. And then I uh, separated my shoulder <laughs> one day. I was like doing a board slide, so it's like this on a rail.
1: <laughs> okay. And I
0: and I slipped out and just landed with my like right on my right shoulder blade on the on the rail, and uh-huh. it just separated my shoulder. So after that, I was like, I don't need to be on metal anymore. <laughs> I don't need to do that. I don't like it enough to be like I need to.
1: Well, and crash my and body. The next time you're at a rope tow, go halfway up and sit there for thirty minutes. It's the best people watching experience you'll ever see.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, most you'll, ski resorts are pretty good people watching because you can pick out really easily who's in there first few times. Exactly. And if you? Uh, do you follow an um, Instagram Jerry uh, Jerry of the Day? I think that's what it's called. I'll look it up. Yeah, but it's yeah. a whole. Ski, a whole Instagram account. Yeah, Jerry of the Day. 1.7 million followers <laughs> of all just bad skiers, like <laughs> eating shit and like falling and being weird. Like That's not, that's not a skier, but he's like, he's got these like, little skis in a, so this is a, okay, this is, this is a video of a guy strapping in backwards to a snowboard <laughs> binding, but he's got really nice gear. So he like has money, but he's just <laughs> an idiot.
1: Well, but he's got like the, the mink hat going on. Whichever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, he, yeah, he's got the Moose. Main, yeah, the something though.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, this is a good follow. Mm-hmm. But this is I can, all the that Yeah, that's entertaining. For yeah. Sure. We see, there's like plenty of these videos at JHMR. <laughs> you know, because there's just people being <laughs> Jerry's there.
1: <laughs> Playing at the Moose all the time.
0: Yeah. So, they like – yeah. So, it's a great follow. But – so, you see that at any ski resort, but a lot that – especially at Grand Targhee here or Jackson Mott Resort – the people that just have money and they want to come on vacation, but they're not good skiers, so they have all this really fancy gear. But you can tell they haven't even they not even they don't know how to ski, they don't know what they're doing, and it's just it's great people watching. Well,
1: that's how you tell the locals from the tourists is because the yeah. locals are wearing car hearts and the tourists are wearing spider gear.
0: Yeah, the locals <laughs> all have at least
1: one tear in their gear or replace zipper. And some gorilla tape holding something together.
0: Yeah, exactly. And all the locals you can tell like their tags are still on or all the <laughs> Tourists, all the tags are still on their clothes. They have the brand new skis, brand new demo skis,
1: or like that weird. Yeah, they're all pristine, no marks in them.
0: Yeah, especially like if you around. We come a lot. We used to come a lot here to around Christmas or after Christmas. Mm -hmm. So that's a prime time for that because they get their they get their new ski gear on Christmas and then they bring it out right the next day (laughs) to the resort and it's like you don't know how to ski. You're just an idiot.
1: And their their hoods won't even close because they haven't taken the. I got or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It is it is funny. It is yeah. funny. I mean, I've, I've been here long enough I can call myself a local, but I was on the other side of that someone. I can sympathize with them.
0: Yeah, I jumped I jumped that, that line um kind of like probably a week into my time living here because mm-hmm. I had to fly somewhere for work. I lived here just for like a week and I was on the flight and they were like well, wait. You're going to Jackson Hole. I'm going to Jackson. Is that different? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, uh, right? That took me like or two like, days to figure out. Yeah, or like someone's like, I'm going to Jackson's Hole. It's like, God, stop, because it's so easy. The air, the valley that I live in is called Jackson Hole. The whole, the valley is a hole. Yeah. Their ski so resort is called Jackson Hole, and then the town is called Jackson. And it was all named after this dude. It was like a fur a fur trapper who came out, and this was his. Like Honey Hole, this is where he would come to get beaver um, pelts when he couldn't find any others. This was his last ditch, last ditch Honey Hole. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's why it's called Jackson Hole. It started as Jackson's Hole as a guy's like hunting spot. Okay. But you know immediately there's a few a few tells when you're on the flight to into Jackson if the person has ever been here before or if they're local or if they're just clueless. That's <laughs> one of them. They don't get. That the town of Jackson is the town, and then there's also the ski resort, which has some houses and condos and hotels around it. Right. And then the other one is, so the mountain range, um, have you ever been over to Slide Lake? Yes. So you know the river that comes out of it?
1: And I don't remember the name. But you,
0: yeah. Okay, so that it's, spe- it's called the Grovant River, okay. but it's a French word, and it's spelled G-R-O-S space V-E-N-T-R-E. So if someone who hasn't ever been here before tries to say it, they say gross venture <laughs> and you immediately know they're not from here. Those are like the few tests.
1: Yeah, that's that's the easy one right there, huh?
0: Yeah. And I did I, I did that one for a while because <laughs> I didn't know the word or whatever, because it's it's like one of the runs at the ski resort too.
1: Yeah, there's there is a run.
0: Yeah. But I was on this plane, I heard someone saying I was like, oh my god. And I'd only lived here a week and I was like, fucking tourist. <laughs> My brother told me like, dude, you just moved to ago. You're still kind of a tourist. And I was like, no, can't... I'm a local now. It counts.
1: <laughs> you got
0: right into I that paid... groove
1: really quick, didn't yeah, you?
0: Yeah, I did. I pay rent in this county. I pay You will pay
1: taxes at some point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have my um my Wyoming ID yet. I need to get that soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. You should so you, when you go to Know, establish ones that need to see your ID because you're so young
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, that it actually shows you a local.
0: <laughs> yeah, being with Taylor, like if I'm alone, and I, I can't really get that the benefit, but if I'm with Taylor because she has one. She just happened to have hers expire um, right when we moved here, so she got it. She's going right away, but they'll let our whole group in like at the Cowboy Bar. Uh-huh. If, they, if they have a band that has a cover, they'll charge non-locals, but if Taylor comes in with her Wyoming ID, they won't charge our whole group. For the cover,
1: that's a pretty cool, dude. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, yeah, they're they really good about it, and obviously when I get mine, they'll do the same. But it doesn't hurt that she's like you, a hot you Michigan ID. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, sell Minnesota. Right. Yeah, I need to get I need to get uh, ID and license plates for my truck. Yeah. Now I'll finally fully fit in.
1: Yeah, you can call yourself a local after that point.
0: Yeah, I, some people say a year living there. Some people say license plate ID. Some people say, um, I don't know, like buy a house or something like that. But yeah. I certainly feel like a local because um, although, I've said this before in the podcast, I'm not a big like government intervention, do government doing stuff kind of guy. Right. But the city government of Jackson does such an amazing job of community involvement Because locals, most of the locals, have a tough time living and staying in Jackson. It's so expensive. It's expensive. Super expensive. And our, I say our, but it's not really me, but the cost of living gets offset dramatically because there's millionaires and billionaires that have residencies there and the tourism. So you can charge tourists more than you can charge a local but it's so ingrained in the town that kind of everything is priced for either millionaires or tourists to do stuff with, whether that's groceries or just clothing groceries or housing or rent. Yeah. Um, so the, the the city of Jackson does a really, and, and Victor and Drake too. It's all like the really strong community driven uh, areas. They do a good job of having like concerts and farmer's markets and, and, um, like the restaurants will do all these different discounts, deals, Yeah, deals in the off season for, for locals. If you have your ID or just like two for ones, cause they know the only people here in November are, are locals.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, they, a lot of restaurants closed down for a month now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot and, and Get reopened, you know, around the, the start of December and mm-hmm. all the Christmas parties. Other than that, you, you've just got your local crowd and there's uh, not enough people coming through the door to keep them open.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so especially on in Victor and Driggs. I mean, I can tell you like five or six are closed down for a month.
0: Yeah, even though plenty of ones on, even in the square in Jackson are closed down.
1: Yeah, like RPK is closed down and they're just getting ready to reopen. But yeah, there's, I mean, from November 1st to December 1st, they all, they all kind of close their doors and wait for the, the tourists to come back.
0: Yeah, the two for ones are great though. Yeah, but it's like. It, it, And uh, a lot of them are doing this like buy one, get one for $2, and then the $2 goes to a charity, some sort of charity. Which is super cool. Yeah, and we went to one. We went to Bin 22. Have you been there? Yeah, I have been there. Yeah, it's like wine and small plate. Yeah. um, Small little,
1: little appetizers, but I mean, you yeah. get
0: like eight of them, and you're mm-hmm. good. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah and three. then good
0: wine and, and stuff. And their their two dollar thing was going to the hospitals, some sort of one of the hospitals' charities. So okay. Taylor ate, just ate that up, and went there. So we went there with her mom and her sister.
1: And that that was another cool thing that we did at the Lynx. We did it, the tea off for transplant.
0: Oh yeah, which yeah. was
1: like super big, and their their target was fifteen k. We raised over twenty. Yeah, that's amazing, and um, it really just kind of it blew up from there. Everyone heard about that. Mm-hmm. All the locals participated. The local businesses, caterers, were all there, and that that was a super cool thing for Wraith.
0: Yeah, mean, talk that, about um. So
1: talk about what that what that is. Just... So Wraith Winter needed a kidney transplant. It's a, a is a how old is he? He is like. 11 something and, like yeah, that I should know and I'm sorry I don't
0: but 10 <laughs> year old kid who lives
1: in here area, in Victor in Victor uh-huh. and his aunt Christine plays golf at the Lynx uh-huh. and and she approached me and said would you you know consider doing a, a charity event and, and helping us out and I'm like oh yeah as long as we schedule it correctly then uh we can absolutely pull that off and we we sold the tournament out um it We had a great time and and raised money for a great cause. And I haven't heard if he's got the uh, the transplant yet, but I know it's in the works. And the family was just so grateful and so appreciative. It it was super fun to be a part of.
0: Yeah, it was it was an awesome thing to kind of see from the social media side. I wasn't able to attend. I think it was. Yeah, you were out or something. Yeah, you were Minnesota back home. Yeah, so so Wraith is he's thirteen years old um, and. I'm just looking at the event on the Facebook page we did now, and we set up, we put on the event and, and posted it multiple times. They're kind of, they almost like a Kickstarter, but it's a donation thing, website link for people to go donate, and then everyone signed up, and then Brent even started, there's a saying in golf called the shotgun start, but it's never really a shotgun, it's always just like a horn, basically, or just like, <laughs> hey, go. Um, and <laughs> we do things a little bit different out, differently out here in, in Idaho and Wyoming, yeah, Brent did an actual shotgun start where he threw up like a, a clay pigeon and actually shot a shotgun on the practice green of the Lynx. And then that was the, the signal for everyone to get out to their holes and, and start playing golf.
1: And I actually do that for every shotgun event at the Lynx. <laughs> I didn't know that. that was <laughs> no, the first time I did yeah, any, any shotgun event, anytime we're all starting at the same time, I go load up my clay pigeon and yeah. my, my shotgun and rip one out there and blow it up. I only missed once this season. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's a, it's a super fun start and wakes everybody up and kind of gets them excited. Plus, I think it's a lot of fun because I, I love to do it. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, so yeah, that that um, TF, TF for transplant was a great success. It was really fun to be on the Facebook side of that. I, I, am, I was bummed that I couldn't make it because I like scrambles and I obviously like um, doing them for a good cause. Um, so, on the way over here, I called uh, Alex Merle, my my business partner, and I asked him if he had any questions that he wanted to that he wanted me to ask you because he's a he's probably a bigger golfer than I am. He way more obsessed with. It. He's like a tinker. He's like he switches like shafts every every summer.
1: And he he got to play my old golf clubs this summer. So
0: yeah, yeah, he loved that because he he had been playing the the clubs he had at the time. Um, he only started like really getting into golf after we graduated college. So we bought these like kind of cheaper Nike ones, like they're game improvement irons for sure. Right. So they're forgiving. And, but when you, when he get got better, they would go so far. Like he was hitting like a seven iron, like two or five.
1: Yeah. That's way too far.
0: Yeah. So he really liked being able to play your blades or your, what do you call it? Like a flex set
1: or. No, that, those are my blades. My Titleist blades. Yeah. 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 But they're a, a combination set of yeah. cavity backs on the higher irons mm-hmm. and muscle backs on seven through wedge. And they, they are pure.
0: Yes. Yeah. He loved playing them because he hadn't really hadn't really played um, clubs like that before. And he ended up getting um, some Strixon clubs. I don't know what kind, but they're kind of their player's iron. They're smaller, um, forged.
1: Yeah. Strixon makes a great muscle back
0: as Yeah. World. I think that's what they might be. But yeah. So... But that was yeah, just great that he got to play that. He really enjoyed that because he didn't feel the pressure. For some reason, playing someone else's clubs takes the pressure took the pressure off of him of feeling he needed to play well. Well, they were already fun.
1: trained for him.
0: Yes, yeah, the clubs were <laughs> trained well. Um, and so when I talked to him on the phone on the way here, he said, "What if you ask Brent about some of the more famous golf people that he's met in his career? Because you've been a golf pro for how long now?
1: Thirty five years. Thirty
0: five years. So." Are there any, like, stories or golf famous people that you have ran into in your time as a golf pro that you think are inter- would be interesting stories?
1: Um, you know, met Johnny Miller uh, through the Champions Challenge in Utah. Um, what's, the, what's the Champions Challenge? So th- that was uh, a tournament for senior golfers, mm-hmm. and, and they come to Utah and play at Thanksgiving Point. I uh, got to caddy for a, a couple of players there. Um it also was at web.com. I got to play, uh, or not play, but caddy for, um, a guy at the web.com tour. <laughs> but he's from Pinehurst, and I, I should remember his name. I'm sorry, I don't. But that, you know, being on that golf course in that atmosphere was, was spectacular. And I played in caddy for Kim Thompson, one of the best players in Utah history. He, he, I worked with him extensively at Alpine, and he he was really my mentor and showed me how to play golf. I mean, that guy could hit some shots and and carve it around anything. He he could hit left, right, high or low, according to what he needed. And that was one of the greatest experience caddying for him in the U.S. Open qualifying, uh, thirty six holes one day, and we we missed by one shot. But wow. yeah, being in that atmosphere with that type of player taught me so much. The, the patience level that they have yeah. and, is just off the charts. And I'm good at math and I'm good at calculating my shots, but these guys have heads on sprinklers that they know to aim for. I mean, it, it, it's unreal how, how good they really are at that level. And, and the web.com is probably in my opinion has better players than the tour cuz those guys are grinding mm-hmm. they they are passionate and that's all they do i mean the the regular tour they do that as well but it is so hard to get through and break through to that next level and you see it on their face yeah and it it's fun to watch it really is
0: the uh, the web.com just changed its name right to the corn, corn... Fairy. what is that what is corn ferry I don't know. Um, we're going to look it up. Maybe quick.
1: a whiskey company. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because c- I – sometimes with these, you know, companies want to – let's see. Um, it's a consulting firm. <laughs> okay. Sometimes these companies, they want – they try so hard to, to get some branding out there where they want to have a stadium or a tour named after them and it doesn't make any sense because – you're not going to, you may not, I mean, now I know they looked them up, but am I going to be a customer for Corn Ferry now because they're on the name of the tour?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: they paid probably a lot.
1: A ton of money to, to get that at.
0: exposure. Yes. You know, and sometimes I don't, I just don't think it fits the, biz- the business. Like my, so my day-to-day job, I sell software to banks for a company called FIS and our biggest competitor, it's called Fiserv and they just. Got the naming rights la- last year for the Milwaukee Bucks arena, mm-hmm. and because they're in their headquarters in Milwaukee, a big office in Milwaukee, but it's like this back office processing software for banks. So like having your name on the side of an arena doesn't re- may not really drive revenue because mm-hmm. nobody knows what FIS is, nobody knows what fi is unless you're like unless you work at a bank basically.
1: Well, it's kind of like Staples Arena. I mean. Everyone knows what Staples is, but...
0: Yeah, you know what Staples is, yeah. <laughs> and that's like a retailer, like, like or even like... Uh, it's an in office mi- supplier. Yeah, in, Meta, in, in Minneapolis, like, U.S. Bank Stadium. So that's uh head, headquartered in Minneapolis. The Gopher Stadium is TCF Bank. And the, the Timberwolves is Target Field, or Target, Target Center, and then Target Field for the Twins. So those are all three big headquartered... Retailers. Um, yeah, well, not retailers, but... Or Target's a retailer, U.S. Bank, and... Uh, TCF or big banks and so it's all uh, it's all um, selling to individuals to people It's not like business to business
1: brand recognition
0: yeah so they may actually think like uh, the official bank of the Vikings I'm gonna go open an account there or there might be like a Vikings credit card or something they can do something like that or you know Target like that's when you live in Minneapolis, you know any throw a rock and they'll work. They might work at Target. <laughs> Everyone works at Target there.
1: Right. There's a lot of those.
0: There's yeah. a lot of those. Uh, but yeah, so the corn fairy tour. So that's cool. Um, so tell, you told me um, one day I was putting around on the putty green and you pulled out this um, Scotty Cameron Futura Futura Futura, yes. futura.
1: Uh-huh.
0: for the golfers out there. It's this like mallet putter. It looks
1: futuristic. It looks kind of weird. Um, and you told me, tell, tell the story of that putter. So yeah, it, I, I was able to go back to Carlsbad for a week and test golf clubs and play with them. And from that week, I came out with a set of irons and a putter. And this putter was based on the Futura model, but to the public, it's only available in silver and red. Mm-hmm. But for the Tour PGA Professional, we get it in black and silver.
0: Yeah, and and, and, Car- so, and Carlsbad, for those that don't know, that's where the Scotty Cameron, the Titleist,
1: that that was their first home base,
0: home base. Yeah. So, um, club fitting facilities, club manufacturing facilities, yes. yeah, everything
1: that was under the Acushnet uh, brand at the time, which uh-huh. included Titleist, um, FootJoy, and Cobra. Really, right, at that point, yeah. When what you was that? Um, probably t- thousand one. I would have uh-huh. to say. One or two. Yeah. I didn't realize that Cobra was under that. Yeah, Cobra was always part of the cushioned umbrella, uh. which was Titleist and foot Joy. That's their two major ones. But they started with Cobra, and that's I, I've still got my Cobra Baffler five wood with the rails <laughs> on it, that, with a laminate head. That's just it works so good. Yeah. But, yeah. but to go back to that facility and tinker with golf clubs for a week and come home with you know, a set of golf clubs and a and a putter that. Few will ever see and or play. So did you did you say that like did you say that Scotty himself made it or mm-hmm. tweaked it or something? Um, S- Scotty was there. Did you um, meet him? I-, I got to meet him for a short time. Oh, that's you know, he's, he's, he's got so much on his play. but yeah. He, yeah, that was a a great person to see, and you know his passion for golf is probably second to none. Yeah, and he's and he's done well with it. But, uh.
0: extremely well yeah <laughs> for those who don't know scotty cameron he's the what would you call him the head the, putter the, maker the guru the putter yeah putter guru um his putter brand is called scotty cameron it's basically Titleist putters um but if you have a scotty cameron putter it's it's different than basically any other type of putter it's I mean, maybe Bettinardi mm-hmm. makes good ones but nothing stands out like a Scotty Cameron putter. I got a Scotty 2 years ago and I don't think I'll buy I won't buy another putter probably forever.
1: You don't need to. You don't yeah. need to. I've got three Scotties that I rotate in play. Yeah. D- depending on the speed of the greens, you know, a whole lot of other factors, but and just feel kind of like this guy wants to come out of the closet, you know, what's he going to bring today and and I'll go with that.
0: Yeah, there's something really, really special about a Scotty, and I said I said this when I got the putter. I have never loved a piece of metal as much as I
1: love this putter. Well, they're they're milled to such precise specs yeah. that I mean, you, you it's a tool. It's not a putter. It's a tool.
0: Yeah, it's a precision tool, and it's like um, the one that I have. It's the uh, the Newport Scotty Newport, and it's just the classic like blade putter head with the offset um, hosel. And I've had I had like an old Odyssey like that before it. And same, you know, head style and everything, and I got the super stroke grip on it, but it does not feel anything like the Scotty. Like it's so pure. What exactly what your stroke is is what the ball will do. There's no miss hitting because of the because of the putter. Whatever miss hits happen, it's because of your stroke.
1: Well, and and the feedback that you get is yeah, it's it's second. It, it's second to none. Yeah, I mean, I I play by feel. I like feedback. And and when you hear it and you feel it get get stroked and that ball's going in the hole, you have you have no doubt.
0: Yeah, and even there's a saying. This is from my dad. He he didn't have the time to want to practice golf a lot, but he wanted to get better at golf. So he said he's going to buy himself a golf game. And there's I think there might be a saying where you can't buy yourself a golf game, but it if helps. you buy a Scottie, you certainly can buy yourself a golf game. No, I mean.
1: And kind of along those lines, you know, for those of you who want to get better, if you're not getting custom fit, yeah, you are spending money foolishly. Yes, that's and a really good point. Go go to your local PGA professional. He's got the skills, he's got the knowledge yeah. to to make those golf clubs yours versus just going and getting something off the rack and and having it be okay. But to get custom fit to the right lie, the right length of shaft, the right grip, the right type of shaft, the right flex of shaft, the best kick point. I mean, there's so many variables that the average golfer has no idea. That's why you go to your local PGA professional and he gets you clubs that fit your game. That's the whole key. I mean, your swing's different than mine.
0: Yeah. Unless unless you're like 5'9". And if a swing like Adam Scott or Roy McIlroy, you need some adjustment in your in your clubs because those those stock clubs are for that height roughly, and they have nothing to they don't do anything with like if you tend to fade it or or draw it or or whatever you're steep or whatever. So yeah, it's that's the, my biggest change when I actually became what I might call a good golfer is when I got fully fitted custom clubs. That's more because of my height and everything, but it, they're not even like super fancy clubs. They're kind of one notch above an again improvement iron. They're not super fancy. They weren't, weren't super expensive, but they're fit for me. They were longer than the lie, which is the up angle, right. the yeah. angle of the of the head to the shaft was pulled up.
1: It's actually the the angle of the leading oh. edge of the club face to the ground, because when we're coming through impact, we want that to be flat or level to the ground, not. Toe heavy or heel heavy, that's what produces a straight shot. Yeah. When a club player is able to deliver the club to the ball at the right lie at the right moment of impact, that gives us the shot that we're looking for. And custom fitting, absolutely. I mean, it's a necessity if you want to play better golf. Yeah. If you don't, if you're just going to go out and be a weekend golfer, grab some off the rack. If you want to take your game to the next level, Go see your PGA Pro. Let him get – let him fit you for what you need.
0: That's exactly right. And even even used clubs, there's a lot of – probably my listeners will be in around the Twin Cities area. And Second Swing is in Minneapolis. And so it's this big online um, used golf club shop. But it's also – they have like um, storefronts. They have a couple locations in the Twin Cities area. And they have a bunch of different um, fitting bays. And I call this one guy, Orlando. Shout out to Orlando. You're probably not listening, but you're a wizard. Come on, Orlando. Orlando. He's, he's always there and he's amazing. He, I come in one day and I say, because I've, I've had this two iron for a while, but it's hard to hit. And I've hit my four iron and i have my driver, but I wanted something that was a little bit longer than the four iron off the tee, but more reliable than the driver for like those tighter holes and nor if you're having a bad day or whatever. I go and I'm like, I think I want to try a hybrid or something like that, or some driving irons, hit some of them, and we're hitting the hybrid, and it's not going what I wanted to do. I wanted it to hit about, you know, like 250 to 260, and I know it's going to have a little bit of a fade and all this stuff, and he just, I'm just hitting away, not hitting well, and, just, and Orlando goes off without saying anything and just comes back with a five wood, <laughs> and I don't even hit my three wood well at all. I rarely ever, I shouldn't even carry it. Um, and he comes out and he's like, hey, try this. And I just start hitting this five wood and I'm just mashing every single ball out of it, basically out of the box club. Like I'd never even touched it before and it, it did perfectly the specs that I wanted out of the club I came in for. And then I was like, oh, this is working well. I mean, I, I can spend a little bit more than this. So he goes and finds this Titleist five wood. And it was a couple years old, but they he told me this, that that they bought Titleist entire warehouse um, of like two years in the past from that point. Wow. So it was two years old clubs marked – priced as used but never been hit. So he takes this, adjusts it to crank it all the way so <laughs> I didn't slice it. And I just it, – it's just like perfect. I've never hit a golf club that perfectly, that hot out of just putting it in my hands and swinging.
1: But that's where his knowledge comes into play.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was him – uh, having the knowledge, be like, you know, whatever he was seeing in my swing or exactly. my ball flight, saying,
1: "That's this your, might work better." That's our art. It's, yes, is to see what's happening in your swing, her swing, his swing, anything, and then we know to, to make those little tweaks. Yeah, and you don't even need to know what it we did to go out there and hit it. Yeah, and yeah, that's.
0: Some people, Alex is a big tinker, like I said. Like he he likes to regrip them and he likes to cut his shafts down or get different shafts or kick points. And I'm just like, I want to get a good fit from a, of a from a PGA professional, and I'm just going to leave it. So I haven't even I I can I could adjust that five wood or my driver or any any of the clubs, but I have not touched them since uh, someone fit me for them because um, I know. Um, I can tweak them all day, but it's really at the end of the day going to be my swing. that you need to get better. Yeah. That'll help.
1: Alex, quit tweaking them and go hit them.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Alex, go quit tweaking your shafts. Just go get a better swing. And then you'll be a better golfer.
1: Just more often would, would help immensely. You, you keep tweaking it like that. All you're going to do is uh, start again. Yeah. He plays a lot, but he he tries really hard he has a good swing. I saw that in his eyes when I first met him. Yeah. He loves to play. Yeah. Um,
0: But yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Yeah. So the gist being for those that want to get more into golf or just get better at golf, make sure you're properly fitted by a PGA professional. Um, They have them everywhere, whether it's at a local course or like a Golf Galaxy or different golf shop somewhere. They all have immense um, knowledge of the golf swing. Like it, it, there's a lot of people who go to college to be a PGA pro. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's the, the PGM universities. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of different avenues to get into the PGA. I was fortunate to get in you know, back in you know, 97. And you know, it, it was a lot easier and a lot less expensive than it is now. <laughs> but I guarantee you, I put in way more work and way more time. And it's taken me to places and I've met people that are just amazing. It's a it's a great career. It's not for everybody. I mean, we work our tails off. We we have, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days are common. I mean, easily. But that's we we are out there promoting golf, growing golf, and that's you know, a, a passion of mine is to grow the game. And and Tyler has helped me grow it here in Teton Valley and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah it's been amazing
0: Um, so a question that I ask all the guests here and that you've listened to a couple episodes you probably know what I'm going to ask (laughs) Um, of of the words who what when where and why which one do you think drives you the most in your life? So, the example being like, no, like,
1: my why, your why, my why, my why because I love being out there, uh-huh. my my why because it's in, it's in my blood. I mean, I've, I've been doing it for thirty five years. That's that's why I get up and I see those sunrises, sunsets. I mean, as a golf pro, you get up at you know five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and you get you get home at seven o'clock at night. You get to see both sides. Yeah. But, you know, being there and being in in that atmosphere, smelling the grass and and just seeing the smile on faces on people's faces. I mean, it's not uncommon for someone to come in and tell me every shot they hit when they shot a hundred. <laughs> but but I see the passion in their eyes and I appreciate yeah. that. Because they see my love for the game and they're, you know, trying to bring it from their aspect. And that's that's the most rewarding part, and that's what golf's kind of all about. It it gives and it takes away, yeah, and it teaches you a lot about yourself,
0: a ton. It does. That's an amazing answer. I like that you. I like the way you took that. Um, so I've been asking everyone that just um, you know have to see what their actual answer is, and then have to see what they do with the question, because people do different things. Like people want to say all of it, or they don't really know yet. Or something like that.
1: That was an easy, easy question. Yeah.
0: Which tells me, not that I'm judging your career path at all, <laughs> but it tells me that you're in the right career and you're doing what you love because you answered that so quickly.
1: And you obviously have a passion for what you do. It is. It's it's my passion and it's my happy place. And I love giving back what the game has given, given me. Yeah. You know. People, places, experiences, golf courses—they're like off the freaking charts. Oh. You know, it, it, it. Golf is a universal language, and if you don't speak it, you should learn. It definitely is.
0: All right, so there you have it, everyone. Brent Baldwin, head golf pro at the Links at Teton Peaks. Um, the lesson here being: go play a really fun golf course like the Links. And if you're a golfer, go get some fitted clubs. And as always, thank you all for listening. Um, I think I'm hoping our next guest, I've been trying to get Taylor to do this. Taylor Weiss, my girlfriend, um, but she just isn't quite sure what she wants to talk about. (laughs) But I'm going to get her on. Come on,
1: Taylor. It's not that hard. If I can do it, you can.
0: Yeah. Whether it's the next episode or sometime coming soon, uh, she will be on. So um, uh, make sure to watch out for that. So thank you, everyone.